The following is a Pod Beard production. From the deepest bowels of your imagination. Actually, he's from Canada there, bud. From the famed Hotter Show Studios, this is The Hotter Show. What is up, everybody? We are one out of here here today in episode 194 of The Hotter Show. I hope you're doing absolutely fantastic. Thanks so very much for tuning in and clicking that play button on today's episode of the podcast. Continuing on with our uh, our Christmas uh, special, if you will, here at The Hotter Show Camp, uh, part two of my Christmas ghost stories. Now, before I go any further... <laughs> I love you guys. I love you guys with all my heart, and I, I appreciate every single one of you for tuning in to today's episode and last week's episode, and listening in and all that stuff. And and I have to say, um, <laughs> there's two things I need to address, and I'm laughing because it's, it's funny. Like it's not it's nothing bad. But to, so number one, um, the sound effect that you heard in last week's episode while I was quote unquote telling the story was supposed to be a crackling bonfire. Or a fireplace, if you will, with some wind sound effects, kind of, kind of like a spooky Christmas vibe. Um, and apparently, it wasn't coming through very well. I, I thought I had everything set perfectly, but apparently, apparently, a couple of, of my 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 good uh, listeners hit me up and were like, "Dude, like, there's some kind of interference or something." And I'm like, "No, it's supposed to be there." And once they throw on some headphones, they could hear it. But uh, so, if you were wondering, maybe what the deal with that is, uh, that was why. Apparently, it didn't come through speakers very well. I had it just a little too quiet for speakers, but uh, that's okay. We live and learn here on The Hottest Show. Uh, and then <laughs> the second thing I need to address, um, those stories that I shared last week were supposed to be scary. And I, I put my faith in that website, and um, they weren't very scary. Um <laughs> So I apologize if that's what you guys were looking for. But that's why the idea of I was kind of like, yeah, we'll say this is like the more positive, happy, you know, wholesome ghost stories of the holiday season. <laughs> we'll say. But uh, this week I'm reading um, three stories, two of which are much longer than the other ones. So I'm hoping they will provide a little bit more. Uh, one is kind of a really classic story that I've actually heard narrated before a couple times. And it is, again, it's not like over the top scary or anything, really. I mean, come on, let's be honest. That that's Nowadays, everyone is so accustomed to horror and that this is not meant to actually scare you to the point where you're like, oh, man, like, oh, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. It's just it's just a fun kind of, you know, something different to do here by the Christmas, keeping the spirit of uh telling ghost stories alive, uh, and one of which is actually a story I'm going to be retelling from last week, and normally I do not do things like this, but uh, I was not provided the entire story by that website, and I sent them an email <laughs> saying, y'all should be more careful, because the whole story was not provided, and let's just say it's a lot more of an interesting story than it was originally let on. It was the very short one, the Christmas the Haunted Tree one. So I'm going to be retelling that one first, and then I'm going to get into the rest of it. But before we get into the main part of the podcast, I wanted to share this with you guys, and that is uh, something I did, along with my best friend, Mr. Brand Babin, former producer of The Harder Show. Uh, we did this, we'll call this skit, a couple years ago, and it all started with me having this stupid idea to, it, it was based off of uh, something from Family Guy. And it was the, uh, you know, sessions with Peter Griffin. It said, <laughs> and who could forget? I these gifts for you there up in my bum. <laughs> you know? So I was, I, I, I was watching that episode and I'm like, oh man, I should do, I should do something like that. And so I started like singing these stupid versions of these songs. And I basically, I acted like I was drunk essentially is what I tried to go for. And I sent them to Brandon as a gag. And then basically he was like, what do you want to do with this? And I was like, oh, let's do something with it. So that's what we did. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you for the first time in two years on The Hotter Show, for your listening pleasure, if you have not heard this before, you're in for a treat, I present to you a lit as fuck Christmas. Christmas. 
Potter Show Studios presents to you a lit as fuck Christmas, a Christmas album from the world famous podcaster TJ Hotter himself. Join him as he takes you on a journey through all your favorite Christmas classics like Jingle Bell Gibberish, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell Rock, Jingle Bell Swag, Jingle Bells Clang, and Jingle Bell. Let me wish you a Merry Christmas before I sneeze. Uh, uh, Merry Little Christmas. And uh, Jack, Jack Frost is Rudolph, shiny nose, social nightmare. The red nose right there. And of course, the penultimate classic, I Saw Mother Getting Violated by Santa Claus and Decided Not to Report It to the Authorities. I saw my mother kissing Santa Claus. It was, it was underneath the mistletoe last night. This 268 track classic is a staple of any holiday music collection and could be yours for just 18 low easy payments of $39.95. Call now. Supplies are limited. The Hotter Show is not responsible for any side effects this album may cause, including diarrhea, vomiting, tooth decay, tooth loss, sudden feelings related to manifest destiny, whooping cough, malaria, the urge to become committed in a long distance relationship, or death. Merry Christmas, everybody. There you have it. Let us fuck Christmas. <laughs> I, I'm a mark for myself. Uh, and I really appreciate when I do something funny that I think is actually really funny. But Brandon really knocked it out of the park with that one. The whole uh, spiegel at the end. That was all Brandon. So he deserves the credit for the really funny parts. And naming all the songs and stuff. So, <laughs> Oh boy. But uh, anyway, that out of the way, we're ready to roll into this podcast here today's second part of the uh, Christmas Ghost Stories. Okay, so here we go, getting into some more Christmas Ghost Stories. And as I was saying in the intro, uh, the first one I'm going to read here for you guys is one that I did read last week, but... Um, as I was saying, <laughs> the uh, the website did not provide the full story, and it was totally a random coincidence that I even found this version, um, but it's a lot more interesting of a story. So I'm going to reread it because it was a really short story. I almost didn't want to include it, but I wanted to have something that was kind of sort of a little bit freakier than the other ones, so I, I threw it in just for, you know, just for the sake of doing it, but um, it is definitely much more interesting this time around with the full story and this first story is entitled poltergeist it started one christmas my parents and i lived in a small home that was around 90 years old it was in a small town called bluffington in northeast indiana the year would have been 1996 we lived there from the time I was seven years old to the time I was 19. From that very day that we moved in, I felt like I was never alone. At night, I would lie in bed with this intense feeling that I was being watched. One year around Christmas time, I was having a friend spend the night. The heat had just shut off briefly, and she and I were sitting in the living room watching television when the temperature dropped substantially. As I rose to turn up the heat, the Christmas tree began to shake violently. Ornaments were falling off left and right, and she and I were terrified we ran upstairs and lay down on my bed. My white cat curled up with us and my door was open slightly. When I gazed out at the dark hallway, I was horrified to see a tall white figure run down the hall. I turned to my friend and she acknowledged that she had seen the exact same thing. She never spent the night ever again. Years passed and things were uneventful. However, I became severely ill with a chronic illness and was frequently hospitalized. That's when things began again. After coming near to death twice, 
I was began to be able to sense things that no one else could. I once again felt that nagging sensation of being watched. I ignored it this time, and the illness went into remission. Once again, the activity, you could call it, stopped. When I was 18, I began to experience things like never before. Upon the death of my beloved grandfather, I had become preoccupied with death and frequently visited cemeteries. That's when I noticed an increase in activity. It started out with the voices. It was like a television had been turned on and there was a flurry of voices coming from downstairs. Or even more frightening, right outside my room. My parents were always asleep when this would happen and their room was right next to mine with a vent so I could hear my parents sleeping next door. I would get up and check all the rooms, but there was no TV on, nothing to account for the voices. I was getting more and more scared as the voices started happening at night. Then that's when I started seeing shadow figures. They varied in size, but they were always human-shaped, except for once. One night, I was walking out of my room with my cat in my arms when she began to growl ferociously. She never does this. She's normally an extremely docile cat, and I was shocked to see her acting so. That's when I looked down the hall and saw a shadow the size of a large dog run down the hall quickly. We don't own a dog. We had owned one before I became ill, but we were forced to give it away due to the fact that we could no longer provide for it with the proper care that it deserved. My cat growled and growled until the shadow disappeared. For all the other things that I saw, shadow figures, they never took the form of a dog again. From that point on, the shadow figures were strictly human-sized. Some tall, some child-sized, but they frightened me to death. I would lie in my bed at night, tortured by the fear that I was going insane because no one else was experiencing this. When I confessed my experiences to my parents, they took me to see a psychiatrist who could find nothing wrong with me. I continued seeing the shadow figures up until the last few months that we lived there. As the months went on, I began feeling a dark aura spreading around the place. It was a heaviness an uncomfortable feeling that I could never quite shake. Sometimes I would get frustrated with whatever was there. I would leave a room and would turn off the light. The light would make an audible click every time someone turned it on or off. Each time I would shut it off, the click would echo and I would turn around and the light would be back on. Finally, I said in an annoyed voice, Quit playing games. Could you just shut the light off, please? And sure enough, right before my eyes, the light shut off. One time, I shut off the light in my bedroom before I left the house. And when my parents and I came home, my dad said to me, What did I tell you about leaving your light on? And I replied, shocked, but I shut it off when I left. He had nothing to say to that. Another time, I was lying in bed when I heard the audible noise of someone sitting down in my desk chair. Sure enough, when I sat up, there was a visible imprint in the center of the chair where someone would be sitting. Things got so bad sometimes that I would be forced to sleep in my parents' room like I was a child. In 2008, 
we moved to a new house, far away from the old house. I have not experienced anything abnormal here, and the aura is much lighter. Perhaps it was my dabbling in the paranormal. I had tried communicating with spirits, had frequented cemeteries, and tried to provoke ghosts that had caused all the grief in that house. But one night, I went back there to get some of my things, and as I was leaving, I saw a dark figure run across the yard. I drove away and never looked back. Caitlin Williams. It's your guy Jaybird here from Jaybird Digital Arts, reminding you to tune in to the Hotter Show podcast. Hell, tune into all of the Podbeard Network shows, and not just because they support Jaybird, but because they're good. And I'll give you a discount on design work if you do. Beat that deal, I dare ya. Alright guys, so they have it, the full version of that story, The Haunted Christmas Tree, uh, now called Poltergeist. It started one Christmas. Definitely much more of a uh, uh, freakier story than it originally was, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad I ended up doing that, kind of going back and, and rereading it, because I think that I did not, it was not done justice on the previous podcast, especially when you're, you know, trying to you're putting your faith in this website to provide you with these prep stories and everything, and then it kind of shits the bed. This is much my fault, obviously. But uh, so that was that story there. And the next story I'm going to read here for you guys is a classic Christmas story that some of you may have actually already heard before because it's pretty popular. There's a story by A.M. Burridge, 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 and it is entitled Smee. No, said Jackson with a smile. I'm sorry. I don't want to upset your game. I shan't be doing that, because you'll have plenty without me. But I'm not playing any games of hide-and-seek. It was Christmas Eve, and we were a party of 14, with just the proper leavening of youth. We had dined well. It was the season for childish games and we were all in the mood for playing them. All that is, except Jackson. When somebody suggested hide-and-seek, there was rapturous and almost unanimous approval. His was the one dissentient voice. It was not like Jackson to spoil sport or refuse to do as others wanted. Somebody asked him, if he were feeling seedy. No, he answered. I feel perfectly fit, thanks. But, he added with a smile, which softened without reacting to flat refusal, I'm not playing hide-and-seek. Why not, someone asked. He hesitated for a moment before replying. I sometimes go and stay at a house where a girl was killed. She was playing hide-and-seek in the dark. She didn't know the house very well. There was a door that led to the servant's staircase. When she was chased, she thought the door led to a bedroom. She opened the door and jumped and landed at the bottom of the stairs. She broke her neck, of course. We all looked serious. Mrs. Fernley said, how terrible. And were you there when it happened? Jackson shook his head sadly. No, he said, but I was there when something else happened. Something worse. What could be worse than that? This was, said Jackson, without hesitation for a moment. Then he said, I wonder if any of you have ever played a game called Smee. It's much better than hide and seek. The name comes from, it's me, of course. Perhaps you'd like to play it instead of hide and seek. Let me tell you the rules of the game. Every player is given a sheet of paper. All the sheets, except for one, are blank. On the last sheet of paper is written, Smee. 
Nobody knows who Smee is except Smee himself. Or you turn out the lights and Smee goes quietly out of the room and hides. After a time, the others go off to search for Smee. But of course, they don't know who they are looking for. When one player meets another, he challenges him by saying, Smee. The other player answers, Smee, and they continue searching. But the real Smee doesn't answer when someone challenges. The second player stays quietly beside him. Presently, they will be discovered by a third player. He will challenge and receive no answer. He will join the first two. This goes on until all the players are in the same place. The last one to find Smee has to pay a forfeit. It's a good, noisy, amusing game. In a big house, it often takes a long time to find Smee. Perhaps you'd like to try. I'll happily pay my forfeit and sit here by the fire while you play. It sounds like a good game, I remarked. Have you played too, Jackson? Yes, he answered. I played it in the house that I was telling you about. And was she there? The girl who broke... No, no, someone else said. He told us he wasn't there when she broke her neck. Jackson thought for a moment. I don't know if she was there or not. I'm afraid she was. I know that there were 13 of us playing the game, and there were only 12 people in the house. And I didn't know the dead girl's name. When I heard that name whispered in the dark, it didn't worry me. But I tell you, I'm never going to play that game again. It made me quite nervous for a long time. I prefer to pay for my four. We all stared at him. His words did not make sense at all. Tim was the kindest man in the world. He smiled at us. This sounds like an interesting story, he said. Come on, Jackson. You can tell it to us instead of paying a forfeit. Very well, said Jackson. And here is his story. Have you met the Sangstons? They are cousins of mine, and they live in Surrey. Five years ago, they invited me to go and spend Christmas with them. It was an old house with lots of unnecessary passages and staircases. A stranger could get quite lost in there quite easily. Well, I went down for that Christmas, Violet Sangston promised me that I knew most of the other guests. Unfortunately, I couldn't get away from my job until Christmas Eve. All the other guests had arrived there the previous day. I was the last to arrive. I was only just in time for dinner. I said hello to everyone I knew, and Violet introduced me to the people I didn't know. Then it was time to go in for dinner. That is perhaps why I didn't hear the name of a tall, dark-haired, handsome girl whom I hadn't met before. Everyone was in a rather a hurry, and I am always bad at catching people's names. She looked cold and clever. She didn't look at all friendly, but she looked interesting, and I wondered who she was. I didn't ask, because I was sure that someone would speak to her by name during the meal. Unluckily, however, I was a long way away from her at the table. I was sitting next to Mrs. Gorman, and as usual, Mrs. Gorman was being very bright and amusing. Her conversation is always worth listening to, and I completely forgot to ask the name of the pr dark, proud girl. There were 12 of us, including the Saxons themselves. We were all young, or trying to be young. 
Jack and Violet Sangston were the oldest, and their 17-year-old son, Reggie, was the youngest. It was Reggie who suggested Smee when the talk turned to games. He told us the rules of the game, just as I've described them to you now. Jack warned us all. If you are going to play in the dark, he said, please be careful of the back stairs on the first floor. A door leads to them, and I've often thought about taking the door off. In the dark, a stranger in the house could think they were walking into a room. A girl really did break her neck on those stairs. I asked how it happened. It was about mm, 10 years ago before we came here. There was a party and they were playing hide and seek. This girl was looking for somewhere to hide. She heard somebody coming and ran along the passage to get away. She opened the door thinking it led to a bedroom. She planned to hide in there until the seeker had gone. Unfortunately, it was the door that led to the back stairs. She fell straight down to the bottom of the stairs. She was dead when they picked her up. We all promised to be careful. Mrs. Gorman even made a little joke about living to be 90. You see, none of us had known the poor girl and we did not want to feel sad on Christmas Eve well we all started playing the game immediately after dinner young Reggie went around making sure all the lights were off except the ones in the servants rooms and in the sitting room where we were we then prepared 12 sheets of paper 11 of them were blank and one of them had Shmi written on it Reggie mixed them all up then we each took one. The person who got the paper with Smee on it had to hide. I looked at mine and saw that it was blank. A moment later, all the electricity went out. In the darkness, I heard someone moving very quietly to the door. After a minute, someone blew a whistle and we all rushed to the door. I had no idea who Shmi was. For five or ten minutes, we were all rushing down passages and in and out of rooms, challenging each other. Shmi? Shmi, we all answered. After a while, the noise died down, and I guessed that someone had found Shmi. After a time, I found a group of people all sitting on some narrow stairs. I challenged and received no answer. So, Shmi was there. I hurriedly joined the group. Presently, two more players arrived, each one of them hurrying to avoid being the last. Jack Sangston was last and was given a forfeit. I think we're all here now, aren't we? He remarked. He lit a match and looked up the staircase and began to count. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, he said, and then he laughed. That's silly. There's one too many. Then the match went out, and he lit another, and began to count. He got as far as 12, and then looked puzzled. There are 13 people here, he said. I haven't counted myself yet. Oh, nonsense, I laughed. You probably began with yourself, and now you want to count yourself twice. His son took out his electric torch. It gave much better light than the matches. And we all began to count. Of course, there were 12 of us. Well, he said, I was sure I counted 13 twice. From halfway up the stairs, Violet spoke nervously. I thought there was someone sitting two steps above me. Have you moved, Captain Ransom? The captain said he hadn't. But I thought there was someone sitting between us, Mrs. Sangston and me. 
Just for a moment, there was an uncomfortable something in the air. A cold finger seemed to touch all of us. For that moment, we all felt that something odd and unpleasant had just happened and was likely to happen again. Then we laughed at ourselves and each other and we felt normal again. There were only 12 of us. That was that. Still laughing, we marched back to the sitting room where this time I was Smee. Violet found me while I was searching for a hiding place. The game didn't last long. Soon there were 12 people and the game was over. Violet felt cold and wanted her jacket. Her husband went up to their bedroom to fetch it. As soon as he'd gone, Reggie touched me on the arm. He looked pale and sick. Quick, he whispered. I've got something to tell you. Something horrible has happened. We went into the breakfast room. What's that? I asked. I don't know. You were Smee last time, weren't you? Well, of course, I didn't know who Smee was. While Mother and the others ran to the west side of the house and found you, I went east. There's a deep clothes cupboard in my bedroom. It looked like a good hiding place. I thought that perhaps Smee might be there. I opened the door in the dark and somebody touched my hand. Smee? I whispered. There was no answer. I thought I'd found Smee. Well, I don't understand it, but I suddenly had a strange, cold feeling. I can't describe it. But I felt like something was wrong. So I turned on my electric torch, and there was nobody there. Now, I am sure I touched a hand, and nobody could get out of the cupboard because I was standing in the doorway. What do you think? You imagine you touched a hand, I said. He gave a short laugh. I knew you would say that. Of course I imagined it. That's the only explanation, isn't it? I agreed with him. I could see that he still felt shaken. Together we returned to the sitting room for another game of Smee. The others were all ready and waiting to start again. Perhaps it was my imagination. Although, I'm almost sure that it was not. But I had the feeling that nobody was really enjoying the game anymore. But everyone was too polite to mention it. All the same, I had the feeling that something was wrong. All the fun had gone out of the game. Something deep inside me was trying to warn me. Take care, it whispered. Take care. There was some unnatural, unhealthy influence at work in the house. Why did I have this feeling? Because Jack accounted 13 people instead of 12? Because his son had imagined someone touch his hand in an empty cupboard? I tried to laugh at myself, but I did not succeed. Well, we started again. While we were all chasing the unknown Smee, we were all as noisy as ever. But it seemed to me that most of us were just acting. We were no longer enjoying the game. At first, I stayed with the others, but for several minutes, no Shmi was found. I left the main group and started searching on the first floor at the west side of the house. I bumped into a pair of human knees. I put out my hand and touched a soft, heavy curtain, but I knew where I was. There were tall, deep windows with window seats at the end of the passage. The curtain reached the ground. Somebody was sitting in a corner, one of the window seats, behind the curtain. Aha! I thought. I've caught Smee! So I pulled the curtain to one side and touched a woman's arm. It was a cold, dark, moonless night outside. I couldn't see the woman sitting in the corner. Smee? I whispered. There was no answer. When Smee is challenged, he or she does not answer. 
So I sat down beside her to wait for the others. Then I whispered, What's your name? And out of the darkness beside me, the whisper came, Brenda Ford. I did not know the name, but I guessed at once who she was. I knew every girl in the house by name except one. And that was the tall, pale, dark girl who was sitting beside me on the window seat, shut in between a heavy curtain and a window. I was beginning to enjoy the game. I wondered if she was enjoying it too. I whispered one or two rather ordinary questions to her and received no answer. Smee is a game of silence. It is a rule of the game that Smee and the person or persons who have been found by Smee or have found Smee have to keep quiet. This, of course, makes it harder for the others to find them. But there was nobody else about. I wondered, therefore, why she was insisting on silence. I spoke again and got no answer. I began to feel annoyed. Perhaps she is one of those cold, clever girls who have a poor opinion of all men, I thought. She doesn't like me. She's using the rules of the game as an excuse for not speaking. Well, if she doesn't like sitting here with me, I certainly don't want to sit here with her. I turned away from her. I hope someone finds us soon, though, I thought. As I sat there, I realized that I disliked sitting beside this girl very much indeed. And that was strange. The girl I had seen at dinner had seemed likable in a cold way. I noticed her and wanted to know more about her. But now I felt really uncomfortable sitting beside her. Feeling of something wrong, something unnatural was growing. And I remembered touching her arm and I trembled with horror. I wanted to jump up and run away. I prayed that someone else would come along soon. Just then I heard light footsteps in the passage. Somebody on the other side of the curtain brushed against my knee. The curtain moved to one side and a woman's hand touched my shoulder. Shmi whispered a voice that I recognized at once. It was Mrs. Gorman. Of course, she received no answer. She came and sat down beside me, and at once I felt very much better. It's Tony Jackson, isn't it? She whispered. Yes, I whispered back. You're not Smee, are you? No, she's on the, my other side. She reached across me. I heard her fingernails scratch a woman's silk dress. Hello, Shmi. How are you? Who are you? Oh, is it against the rules to talk? Never mind. Tony will break the rules. Do you know Tony? This game is beginning to annoy me a little. I hope they aren't going to play it all again all evening. I like to play a nice, quiet game, all together beside a warm fire. Me too, I agreed. Can you suggest something to them? There's something rather unhealthy about this particular game. I'm sure I'm being very silly, but I can't get rid of the idea we've got an extra player. Somebody who ought to not be here. That was exactly how I felt. That I didn't say so. However, I felt very much better. Mrs. Gorman's arrival had chased away my fears. We sat talking. I wonder when the others will find us, said Mrs. Gorman. After a time, we had heard the sound of feet. And it was young Reggie's voice, yelling, Hello? Hello? Is anybody there? Yes, I answered. Is Mrs. Gorman with you? Yes. What happened to you? You both got forfeits. We've been waiting for you for hours. But you haven't found Smee yet, I complained. You haven't, you mean. I was Smee this time. But Smee is here with us, I cried. Yes, agreed Mrs. Gorman. The curtain was pulled back, and we sat looking into the eyes of Reggie's electric torch. 
I looked at Mrs. Gorman and then on my other side. Between me and the wall was an empty place on the window seat. I stood up at once. Then I sat down again. I was feeling very sick and the world seemed to be going round and round. There was somebody there, I insisted, because I touched her. So did I, Mrs. Gorman said in a trembling voice. I don't think anyone could leave this window seat without us knowing. Reggie gave a shaky little laugh. I remembered this unpleasant experience earlier that evening. Someone's been playing jokes, he said. Are you coming down? We were not very popular when we came down to the sitting room. I found the two of them sitting behind a curtain on a window seat, said Reggie. I went up to the tall, dark girl. So you pretended to be Smee, and then you went away, I accused her. She shook her head. Afterwards, we all played cards in the sitting room, and I was very glad. Sometime later, Jack wanted to talk to me. I could see that he was rather cross with me, and soon he told me the reason. Tony, he said, I suppose you are in love with Mrs. Gorman. That's your business. But please don't make love to her in my house. During a game, you kept everyone waiting. It was very rude of you, and I'm ashamed of you. But we were not alone, I protested. There was somebody else there, somebody who was pretending to be Smee. I believe it was that tall, dark girl, Miss Ford. She whispered her name to me. Of course, she refused to admit it afterwards. Jack stared at me. Miss who? He breathed. Brenda Ford, she said. Jack put a hand on my shoulder. Look here, Tony. I don't mind a joke, but enough is enough. We don't want to worry the ladies. Brenda Ford is the name of the girl who broke her neck on the stairs. She was playing hide and seek here 10 years ago. Whew, so there you have it, guys. That was uh, Smee, which is definitely a much longer, much more interesting story. Uh, it's interesting reading something that long <laughs> because I've never really done this before. It's just something that long. So I hope that you guys enjoyed it. It definitely is a good story. It's um, very uh, atmospheric in its creepiness. It's not straight to the point creepy. It's kind of just has a nice uh, atmosphere of creepiness, if you will. And I'm actually going to call it here today for this episode because that was a much longer story than I thought it was going to be, uh, but still a good story. And I had a lot of fun reading it. And the, the other story I have was I, I got about halfway through it. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I kind of had it a little bit previously recorded before I recorded this spot here. And nothing was going on. I was like 10 minutes into it and there was nothing going on. And I was like, okay, enough's enough. Like, I just, I, I don't have time for this. So we're just going to kind of forfeit that one. And uh, I think to me, it was a wonderful place to end off uh, for this um, ghost story special, Christmas special here on The Hotter Show. Even though Smee was kind of sort of not really a Christmas ghost story. It was on Christmas Eve. So I guess... It kind of counts, but not really. Either way, I hope that you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoyed me doing this uh, kind of um, my best attempt at narration <laughs> of stories. I would really love to hear some feedback on that as well, if you guys have any uh, tips or if there's anything I did that you were like, oh, my God, why'd you do that? Or if you'd like to hear me do more stuff like this as well, you know, hit me up. I am fascinated by the uh, that world and that's, um, you know... Um, audiobook world if you will so i couldn't think of the damn word <laughs> the damn word and you know the voiceover world and that's something that's always interests me and uh, this was definitely a big step in me kind of uh, working towards maybe one day getting into that world perhaps i don't know we'll see but we'd love some feedback on that and uh, if you guys have any stories you think i should check out let me know obviously i won't be reading them on the show again but uh, if there's any you want me to check out hit me up i would love to read them because uh it's Christmas, and as much as it is important to be happy and joyous and blah, 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 it's also important to read ghost stories and keep that memory alive because it's an ancient tradition, and it's best to make sure, at the end of the day, the way I see it, it's a reminder of those who are no longer with us, 
those who have, you know, passed on and that their spirits are still always around us. They're always here. And some people think that's a bit morbid and that's fine. But for me personally, I truly believe it can be seen as a positive thing. You know, I lost my grandfather earlier this year and we had my family's Christmas uh, just over the weekend. And we were all, we had a wonderful time and it was great, you know, but uh, he was, he was very missed as was my other members of my family, my grandmother and that. And we kind of all made a, the realization that, you know, it's okay to be a little upset about it. You know, it's okay to still, for those feelings still to be raw because it just happened early this year. This is our first Christmas without my grandfather. So it's still fresh. It's still new. You know, I mean, even I, I got emotional a couple times, you know, the fact that he was not there, but it really helped me realizing that, you know what? He is there. He is here. He's here right now with me. I know he is because I can feel him. I know he's here. So not saying he's haunting me or anything, but just in a nice positive way. I know he's looking out for me. I know he's watching over me, all that stuff. So something to keep in mind. If you are someone who maybe has lost someone and you're really missing them this Christmas season or holiday or whatever you want to call it, know that they're always with you and know that, uh, you know, you're doing them proud and they would want you to be happy and they would want you to have fun this Christmas and they would want you to be the best you you can be and be kind to one another and be kind to strangers and just do everything you can. You know, I've been saying this a lot lately on the show. Do everything you can to make someone else's life a little brighter, especially this time of year. It is super important. You know, I, I've been trying to do little things. You know, I, I can't necessarily afford to go spend a bunch of money and like donate a bunch of canned food and stuff like that. But uh, I will be doing something like that myself uh, later this week. Just my work's doing a little food drive. A little something, nothing crazy, but, you know, just helping a little bit as much as we can. You know, it's very important. And, you know, there's some people in my life that, uh, I know have a hard time around this time of year and I've been making sure to uh, reach out to them and, you know, just say Merry Christmas and, you know, it's maybe if you want to chat or you want to spend some time together or whatever, just make it go out of that little extra little bit away just to make sure you can help those people out because it's uh, a time of year when some people really do struggle. So like I say, and I'm going to say one more time, do everything you can to make someone else's holiday season a little bit brighter as best that you can. And of course, I want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year because this, as I was saying last week, is going to be the final episode of The Hotter Show for 2018. It's been a hell of a year, <laughs> lots of uh, lots of ups and downs and you know uh, some pretty crappy stuff that's happened, but also some pretty awesome stuff that's happened. And basically to sum it up, um, right here, I just want to say thank you to everybody for making this the best year in the history of the Hotter Show, which is wonderful. You know, we've we've had constant weeks of you know downloads at some of them even over two hundred downloads a week, which is awesome for me. Um, I know this is like a lot to some people, but for me, that's really cool. We've been hitting you know sometimes there's been up and even like the three hundreds a few times, and uh, the website's been getting lots of hits. It's helping out all the other shows in the Poverty Network as well. You know, it's just been a really wonderful year. And I'm going to give a few shout outs here. Uh, number one, I want to give a huge shout out uh, to Mean Beard because they are a big part of this year being so awesome <laughs> for me. Uh, and I'm absolutely thrilled with, uh, you know, the very small, tiny role I've played as far as you know, I know I've brought a few new customers in and stuff, so I'm very uh, grateful that people respect me enough to listen to me when I say, you know, hey, you should check out this beard product or whatever. And I'm so I'm very, very grateful for that. I'm proud to be a brand ambassador for the company, and uh, I'm proud to call, you know, a lot of people involved with that company and who are supporters of that company, my buddies and my friends. So very appreciative of that, um, Joe. And Heather and of course Barry and uh, the the entire Mean team. Thank you guys all very much for making this a really awesome year for me. Uh, and of course, I want to give a big shout out to everybody involved with the Podbeard Network. You know, thank you everybody for uh, making this a great year because we really have had a great year. There's been some ups and downs with the network. You know, I'm not going to lie to you guys. You know, some people uh, having to join up and then leave, and then them say they're going to join up and then not join up, and then you know people 
joining up and then not doing anything and is what it is. I don't want to get negative about it right now, but uh, overall, it's been a wonderful experience. And uh, thank you, everybody, for sticking with me, sticking by me. You know, my boys, I got to thank uh, the heel, Mr. Ryan Wood, uh, my co-host on Mike's and Beers. He's been a big part of the network from day one, you know, doing uh, supporting everywhere he can and just, you know, being a great brother. And, uh, of course, I want to give a big shout-out to Mr. Brandon Bowden for all his help with it and all his continued help with it as well just because he's not as regularly involved with it as well. He's still a big part of the Pop Read Network. He always will be. He's our voiceover guy. I mean, shit, come on. <laughs> of course, I want to give a shout-out to my boy Dark Runner, my buddy Garrett, um, for all the uh, all the support and holding it down on the streaming end of things. And, of course, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Mr. Justin Aldred, uh, who's Boy Stick. And, of course... Uh, He's been holding it down with the YouTube stuff, and uh, I do appreciate it. And, of course, I want to give a big shout-out to uh, my boy Josh. I'm still loading podcast. for um, join- He just joined up uh, just last month, but uh, already he's being a great supporter, and I do appreciate it, my dude. Thank you very much. I've been busy the last couple of weeks. I haven't had as much time to uh, – got to catch up. i got to catch up on some podcasts. I'm, I'm very far behind, but uh, appreciate all the support. I, of course, want to give a big shout-out as well to the Drinks with Larry crew. Thank you guys for all the support. It is seriously appreciated. Uh, I'm glad to have kind of met up with you guys and then really helped build our, uh, you know, our podcast relationship over the past year. It's been a wonderful experience. I know it's been a little over a year that I've talked to you guys, but uh, either way, you appreciate it. And of course, uh, big shout out to the No Geeks Allowed. Great guys. And uh, they've always been big supporters of the show. And of course, want to give as well a big shout out to uh, someone who I talk about regularly on the podcast, but doesn't really have anything to do with the podcast, but still in their own way has everything to do with this podcast because of the support and because of uh, the fact that they put up with me. (laughs) Put up with me, you know, going crazy about this kind of stuff. And that is my wonderful fiance, the love of my life, Miss Samantha Light. Thank you for everything, baby. And thank you for putting up with me and uh, <laughs> my uh, my obsession that I do here and making this year, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, the best year of my life when you uh, said yes <laughs> to me earlier this year when I asked you to marry me. That was definitely the highlight of the year. There's no there's no question of that. you know, And that's why I'm saying it last, because as far as I'm concerned, it was the most important thing that happened to me this year. As far as podcast life, some great stuff's happened and network and all that, but as far as my actual full life as a whole... Obviously, you know, the fact that I know I'm going to marry the love of my life is pretty freaking cool. So ending off on a high note, thank you guys all very much. And of course, sure, I forgot to give one shout out that I got to make sure I give my boy, Mr. John Ward of Nothing Serious. Thank you very much, my dude, for all the support and being my Patreon subscriber. If you guys are interested, check out the Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash the hotter show. I've got three tiers that you can check out uh, as well as some different prizes and stuff like that and some bonus content. So go ahead and check it out if you are so interested. We have a $1, $3, and $5 tier. All, of course, is uh, completely optional. You do not have to do that. I will never charge you guys for content or anything because that's ridiculous. Can't say when people do that, but uh, that's just my opinion. Anyway, I'm rambling on here. So, again, I'm going to wish you guys a very Merry Christmas, a very Happy New Year. I hope that uh, Santa's good to you and that you, everyone, you're able to spend lots of time with your family And that uh, you just have a wonderful rest of your year. And I will talk to you guys next year. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for a wonderful 2018. Have a wonderful holiday season. And we'll catch you next time on The Hotter Show.